Hi, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 106, and I'm talking with Sarah Bishop. Sarah is the mother of four. She's an Air Force veteran, and she recently won the Marine Corps Marathon. Just six weeks after that, she qualified for the Olympic trials at CIM, running a 2.42 right behind our girl, Chris Law. Before we get started talking, I do want to thank Kind Snacks for supporting this episode of the podcast. Have you ever had a Kind Bar? You might have seen them in your local grocery store, coffee shop, or gym. They make delicious, healthy snacks with whole ingredients you can recognize and pronounce. And Kind Snacks is offering listeners of the show 10 free Kind Bars. All you have to do is pay shipping. You just order the sample box, and you'll also get to try Kind Snack Club, where you'll get to receive monthly snacks at a discount and get members-only bonuses. I am a member of the Snacks Club. I get two boxes of Kind Snacks sent to my door on my front porch every single month, and you should try it out too. All you have to do is go to kindsnacks.com slash Lindsay. That's kindsnacks.com slash Lindsay. Check that out for full details and start enjoying Kind Snacks like I do on the regular. All right, guys. Hey, if you're loving the show, I would so appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. It's one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. And one thing I'm always striving to achieve is to grow this community. I'm having so much fun with you guys. So I really appreciate each and every one of you who has already done that. And today I want to say happy birthday to one of my faithful listeners. This message goes out to Erin in Charlotte, North Carolina from her boyfriend, Scott. Isn't that cute, you guys? You're so sweet, Scott. Scott wants to wish Erin a happy 27th birthday on March 4th. So that's this Sunday. Erin is training for Grandma's Marathon. That's so fun. I've never done that race, but I want to do it sometime. And I know a lot of people who have. So happy, happy birthday, Erin. Thank you so much for listening to my show. It means the world to me. And I think you have a keeper in Scott. (laughs) Oh, and Scott says you're also a Patreon supporter. So I thank you for that as well. That is super awesome. Well, if you guys are looking for more content from me, content that Erin gets every month, you can support me on Patreon as well if you go to patreon.com slash lindsayhine. Glenn, my husband, and I have recently recorded two episodes on Boston Marathon training. We do some talk about women's running and why I think it's way more exciting than men's running right now here in our country. And I'm recording an episode this Saturday with my friend Molly Turner, who was a guest on this show back in episode 68. That was June of 2017. So Molly and I are going to catch up with her life, talk about what she's training for now. Molly recently this past fall ran a huge PR in the marathon. And so we can kind of see what she's been up to. That episode on Patreon will drop this coming Sunday. All right, everybody, let's go ahead and get started and enjoy my conversation with Sarah Bishop. All right, everybody, we are talking with Sarah Bishop today, which I have to tell everybody, Sarah, the funny story. Okay. (laughs) I think it was about, so it was a year and a half. It was uh, the fall of 2000. 16 that you won the Marine Corps marathon, right? Um, actually it was, uh, last fall. So, uh, 2017 I, I won in 2016. I was fourth. Okay. Well, I remember getting in 
uh, I remember somebody texting me and saying, this woman has four kids and she just won the Marine Corps Marathon. You should have her on your show. And I had it on my to-do list to do forever. And then we ended up connecting via email and it worked out anyway. So it's just kind of fun how those things come in full circle. Yeah, it was. I mean, honestly, um, last week, um, I was lamenting to my husband about my two hour commute home from the office and how awful it is. You know, I have to go um, from Fairfax to Churchville, um, Maryland about once a week. So it's a two hour commute there and two hour, two and a half hour drive home. And he said, you need to listen to podcasts. And I'm like, I know I need to get out of the, you know, 1980s and I need, <laughs> I need to listen to podcasts. And he's like, you know what, you'd like, um, I'll have another. <laughs> So he turned me on to it, and I had heard about your podcast before, Lindsay, and I had seen some of the guests on your show, but I had never listened, and so that's when I started listening, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, and then reached out to you, so kind of funny how that worked out. <laughs> okay, first of all, I just want to say that makes me really excited that your husband is the one that told you about my show. Right? I know, exactly. Yes. <laughs> because I I know that I have male listeners and hello male listeners I love you and I'm so thankful for you but I also know that a heavy number of my listeners happen to be females sure so um and, but I do know your your husband is a runner so that just makes me really excited that um not only females are referring my show to people but uh husbands are doing that as well right exactly yes that's so great well so, Sarah, let's just go ahead and get into your life a little bit and, and your passion for training and all. I mean, just for everybody listening, Sarah has four kids. They're all girls, um, and the youngest are twins. That's right, yeah. Twins. Oh, my gosh. So um, I, I told you this, Sarah, and I since I told you this, I announced it on, you know, I made the big announcement on social media so everybody can know that we're having a fourth baby as well. I know. Oh, congratulations. Thank That's you. Fun. Um, but so we have three boys. So I'm assume I'm just going to go ahead and assume we're going to have a fourth boy. Um, so you and I are kind of like opposites here with your girls and my boys. I know. I love that. I love that. There's not a whole lot of people I know with four kids. So I'm like, you know, I feel I feel good. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like a lot of people these days stop at two. Um, mm-hmm. It's simple and it's, it's not simple. It's hard. Parenting is hard no matter what, but mm-hmm. things are just a little bit more simple as far as travel and things like that when you have two. Yeah. And then you see the few people going up to three. And then once you get to four, it just really, really goes down. <laughs> like there's just not as many of them. Yeah. Yeah. When you're outnumbered, you know, exponentially there. <laughs> You know what, though? I have been um, just in the past like six months. My oldest is five. He's going to be six in uh, June, which I know you didn't have that gap, especially because especially because your youngest were twins. Um, Mm -hmm. But just the amount he has changed in the last year and how much more helpful he has become. I am already like, okay, like I can see that this is going to be okay, and I can breathe because he is um, very relatively speaking, self-sufficient. You know what I mean? Right, right. Once, you know, I think five is kind of a magic age, you know, when they can, um, like you said, be self-sufficient and help a little bit. And they're a little more reasonable. You know, they're starting to be more reasonable human beings. So it does get, it does get easier in that sense. Yes. Yeah. You can kind of like explain things a little bit and say, now think about this. Think about how you're going to react to this. And it's not like saying that to a three-year-old. That's true. Exactly. So, So Sarah, you grew up in Alaska, which... 
I had no idea. Now, does your family still live in Alaska? Well, actually, um, I was a, quote, military brat growing up. So um, I pretty much lived everywhere for three years. I went to high school um, in Alaska, but I went to college in Auburn, Alabama. So, yeah, so I did spend my, my four high school years there, and that's where that's when I started running track and um, cross country. I, uh, you know, my I had a twin sister, and we kind of were always athletic. We were gymnasts, and we played softball. Um, in high school, we we played basketball too. You know, we did all the sports, and she wanted to go out for the softball team in high school, our freshman year, and I did not want to do that. I I was a terrible softball player, and I just kind of wanted to do something different. Um, and Kayla was really good; she was a great softball player. So I decided I was going to go out for the track team, and. I ended up having a real good, you know, knack for it. I, I ran the 400 meters and I went, I went to state. So I thought, you know, I'm going to continue doing this. And as soon as Caitlin saw that I was good at running, she started running too. And we both did a summer track that summer. And then we just hadn't looked back after that. <laughs> okay. So two things. One, you mentioned that you have a twin sister. And so you have twins and your dad is a twin too. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. It's kind of funny. <laughs> So my immediate, yeah, so my immediate thought was when you got pregnant with a third, were you like, oh gosh, what are the odds that this is going to be twins? Well, I mean, I was hoping, I guess, is what I knew growing up, you know, but the, I can tell you, like the idea of twins is, is much nicer than the reality or much easier than the reality, that's for sure. But um, yeah, it's, it's fun for me because I, you know, obviously I was a twin growing up, so I can see yeah, I see myself in them and their interaction and such, and um, it's it's kind of neat. <laughs> so you were kind of hoping for twins. Yeah, well, I, I thought it would be neat. <laughs> okay, well, and I mean, now you're gonna like. I feel like anybody that's a twin mom might punch me for saying this, but I always I always think, man, if I want four kids, like I'm sure it's really hard in that first year or so, but like. You could knock out two in one pregnancy. <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, but then I'm like, I'm sure the pregnancy is much more difficult, and I'm sure that first year, especially in the newborn stage, is insane. First, yes, it's not just you know having a second. I mean, I felt like going from just one newborn to two was way, way worse than I could have anticipated. Yeah, <laughs> I was not expecting it to be so so difficult, which made running so much easier after that, though. Okay, I love that because running was kind of like simple, like, okay, I can just get away and do this. Right. So, you know, after, you know, after college, you know, I was an 800 meter runner in college and then I ran briefly for the Air Force and then I didn't really run competitively, Lindsay, for a long time. I just kind of ran here and there and, you know, had my children and then after I had my twins, um, you know, I just thought, you know, I need to do something for me. I mean, I was just so overwhelmed with the responsibilities that come with, you know, four kids and working 10 hour days and a, an hour commute um, to and from work. Uh, I, I pretty much thought, you know, I have everything I've ever wanted except myself. Like I felt like I was losing part of my identity. And so at that point I realized, you know, compared to, you know, having kids and working, running is easy. And before when I was in college, running was really hard. You know, those workouts were hard and it was a grind. But my perspective on why it was going to be, why I should run changed completely. And so, yeah, so I started running again in April of 2014, really um, just to, just for my sanity and sense of well-being and 
it was almost like running was an old friend that knew exactly what to say as corny as that sound. (laughs) And and after I was done with the run, like all was right with my world and I could, you know, handle the next challenge that life gave me, whether the kids were sick or whether I had some issues at work or, you know, it's just hard. Um, but, uh, but running really helped me cope and, um, and setting goals, you know, I just set goals to keep me motivated and, and things just went from there. Well, yeah, the goal thing is is a good uh, point because I've just been feeling like this right now in my pregnancy. Like if I had a goal, um, I feel like I would be way more motivated. And it's hard to set goals when you're yeah. pregnant, you know, because you're not going to like run super fast or anything. Um, but for instance, like I just did the Donna half marathon a couple weeks ago and I was like, so in my head I was like, you need to like make your long run at least nine or 10 miles. So like even that was like something to shoot for. Like I obviously was just running for fun, but like if you have some sort of goal, even if you're not in a competitive place in your life, it's so helpful. Um, but what was I going to say about that? Oh yeah. So, but leading up to Leading up to 2014, when you say you started running again in 2014, were you in the, you know, when you were in the trenches of the baby, like pregnant, recover, pregnant, recover, pregnant, recover? Because your kids are all pretty close. Yeah. Um, were you running at all in there or like exercising at all? I, I ran throughout my whole pregnancy with my first, um, just for fun, just because I liked running and to stay in shape. And then with my Second, I ran um, up until 20 weeks, and then I was like, I had enough of this. And then with my twins, I didn't run at all. <laughs> so, yeah. Was that because they like your pregnancy was more difficult, or were you just like, I'm tired, I have two kids, I'm carrying twins? It was more that I didn't have a goal, Lindsay. Like you said, I felt like, you know, I, I can't, you know, I wasn't willing to commit to, um, you know, I, I was just willing to run when it was convenient for me because I was never interested in getting back into competitive running or signing up for races because I thought, why would I do that if I'll never be as fast as I used to be? But my mindset changed after I had twins because even though I still felt that way, I, I thought, you know what? I'm in a different place in life. And even if I'm never as fast as I used to be, that's okay. And I need to just change goals. But that doesn't mean that um, I shouldn't just stop running. You know, I still loved running. And just because I was intimidated or had too much pride, you know, that, you know, I shouldn't let that hold me back. So I just checked my pride at the door. I remember this day, like, like yesterday, it was April, 2014. I thought, you know what, I'm gonna go for a three mile run. Um, I should be able to run eight minute miles. Like I was like, I'm going to do a tempo, you know, cause how we, you know, competitive people are so competitive with themselves no matter what. Uh-huh. I couldn't do it. I, I, I just looked at my Strava the other day and to see what that run was. And my first mile was 829, 854, and my last mile was 914. And I came home and I just laid on the couch and I was exhausted. But I felt good. Like, okay, you know, I needed that. I needed that release. I feel good. I'm signing up for a half marathon in five months, you know, and, and I'm going to train and just see what happens, you know. And, and I just had to put my pride aside and any unrealistic expectations I had and just know that I'm in a different place in life and this is okay. And I'm just going to see what I can do now, you know? So I love the goal thing. I love that you a lot were on Strava right then because (laughs) I'm going to, this is kind of a weird comparison, but I kind of compare it to Instagram in a way um, that I got on Instagram right when my first son was born. And I'm so thankful that I have that because it's just such a great catalog of like looking back at 
at life, you know, and yes. the fact, cause usually you start running and you don't think to get on an app like that, but like the fact that you got on in 2014 and now you can literally look at everything you've done in those last four years. Yeah, I can. And, and that's really neat for me. Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, for those of you listening, you might not know based on our conversation, but Sarah recently at CIM qualified for the Olympic trials in the marathon. So congratulations, Sarah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. It's pretty cool. And you know, I went through this, like I did a bunch of interviews right after CIM of people that finished. And I know you finished uh, or people that qualified and I know you finished right behind Chris Law. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I started following her like, you know, in 2014 um, when I started, you know, getting on Strava and kind of getting into the running thing again. And I was like, wow, she's a military wife with three kids. You know, she's like me. And she ran a 247. I was just so in awe and inspired. And it never, ever occurred to me that I could do that too. But just seeing that, you know, somebody, you know, kind of like myself with the same responsibilities that I had was getting out there and training at that level was super encouraging. Well, and you know what I love about Chris's story is that she ran that 247 and, and I might have some of this wrong, but she had like a good chunk of injury and races that didn't go how she wanted them to go and so it was like a long time coming for her to run that time at CIM so I know that we were all like so happy for her and cheering for her for sure that was really exciting to see yep so tell us about um let's go with let's before we get into like mileage and stuff like that to get you to that so what was your official time was it 243 242.46. Okay. I was literally like a couple seconds behind Chris. Oh, you were like, funny. you were probably spotting her. Right behind her. Yeah, yeah. Okay, 242.46. So um, before we get into what your training looked like leading up to that, I kind of want to talk about just life and how you do it with four kids, a husband, your husband is also training for a marathon right now. So you're both working full time. You're both very active, both getting in uh, you, what you love in life beyond taking care of your kids, which I love. I, I think that's so important. Um, so kind of like run us through what like a Monday looks like. Yeah. So, you know, honestly, every day is a little bit different. Um, but for the most part, for a long time, I would train on my lunch break. Um, but like if we're going to go through a Monday, like basically I, you know, we both get up in the morning around, you know, six. If I don't run early in the morning and do it on my lunch, we'll, we'll both get up around six and I'll get the twins ready to go and drop them off at school. And then Brian gets the big girls ready for second grade and kindergarten and drops them off. Um, and then I work from home um, most of the time, but I do travel around to different clients and such here in the D.C. area. Um, but I do a lot of my runs at lunch or else at 4.30 in the morning, um, kind of before Brian goes to work. Um, and then we, Brian also sometimes runs at lunch, but a lot of times he'll get home and he'll run in the evening, like at 8 o'clock after the kids go to bed. And so... Um, yeah, so we'll all have, you know, in the evening, I'll go pick up the twins, and he gets the big girls, and then we all kind of reconnect for dinner, and Brian's the cook in the family, 
So he does all the cooking he always has, which is fantastic. But I do like all the laundry and stuff. We kind of just, you know, split the housework. And um, and then, like I said, he'll do his run a lot of times in the evening because he won't run at lunch as much as I do. And we just do that day in and day out. And on the weekend, I always go first. I go, you know, at 6 a.m., get my run done. And then he'll go whenever, you know, in the afternoon or evening um, after all the kids' activities because they play soccer and do gymnastics and things like that. And, um, and yeah, we just we just make it, we just do it, <laughs> you know? I was just talking to Glenn, my husband, about it last night when I was kind of going over the notes for our chat today. And I was like, I can't imagine running after the kids go to bed on a regular basis because, I mean, last night I ran at 6.30 and – at 9.30, when is, you know, when I usually go to bed, I was still pretty wired from, you know, just running three miles. So does he go to bed pretty late? Yeah, you know, he'll go to bed at 10, 10.30. Um, and, you know, it's super hard to do it in the evening. And we yeah. have done it too when I'm like, I haven't worked, I just didn't have time, you know, to, or, or I didn't get up in the morning to do my run and come eight o'clock, like, I want to go to bed too, yeah. you know? But um, you just make yourself do it. Um, so, yeah, it is not easy. And like I said, I prefer certainly to get my run in um, early in the morning or at lunch. But, um, yeah, I don't, for whatever reason, he's pretty good about doing it um, after the kids go to bed. So I have hope for having that dedication again once this next baby is born and after <laughs> after yeah, like the first really three, three months. Like I find myself like I'm a serial racer. I race probably in the spring and fall during the season like every three weeks at least Lindsay because I live from race to race. If I can't see a race in my near future I'm not going to be motivated to get out the door every single day you know. Um, so so that's what motivates 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 me um because it's hard you know every day it is hard um but uh, if I know if I have a race in you know 15 days then I'm gonna do it <laughs> do you think racing so often keeps you from getting super nervous for races um you know it's just as exciting to me I mean I would rather race than train mm. so so that's why I do it um I still probably get just as excited and you know I'll get nervous for a big marathon for a marathon I'll only do like a couple a year maybe this year I'll only do one and I get I'm a basket case before a marathon it's <laughs> so long and far and you just don't know what's going to happen yeah. on that day right but I, because I race so often shorter distances I always feel like oh there's always another race if I don't do as well as I wanted or the weather's not great so that's kind of um the nice thing about racing so often is I feel like I don't put all my eggs in one basket in that one race in the spring because I know I'll have another one uh, but it's just fun for me I'd rather go run a race you know a half marathon on the weekend than have this crazy long run that I don't want to do by myself <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah totally I yeah I remember before my fall marathon this year we it was like I think it was four weeks before but anyway I was supposed to do a long run with marathon pace work anyway and my husband's like, well, just run the freaking half marathon and do all 13 of those miles at your race pace, goal race pace. You know, it's yes, like way exactly. more fun. You that's know? how I operate. And that's so funny because that's why I ran the MCM marathon last year. And the only reason I won is because nine days before the race, like I hadn't registered for the race and I had a 22 mile long run on the schedule and I really wanted to run the MCM because the year before I had run it and I got in fourth 
but I had run my slowest marathon. I didn't have really good training leading up to it. And my goal the previous year was to podium and I didn't do it. And so I just thought, how can I run this race? How can I do this? And so I told my coach, I said, I'm going to do my 22 mile long run during the MCM. And so I called the registers office and I, you know, I have to register and it was the most expensive long run. Like I was <laughs> And as soon as I registered, I knew like, I'm going to go out and race this. What's four more miles, you know? And I, um, and yeah, so it was really just a stroke of luck that I decided to register and run and I ended up winning, but, um, I get it. Like, I just can't help myself. If there's a race, I'd so much rather just jump in it and do it and run the race instead of trying, you know, doing a workout. (laughs) Well, and let's be honest, like people might say, oh, that's like overdoing it. You know, you ran a marathon six weeks later, but in my head, I'm thinking, okay, so where you're running, you are definitely very competitive, more competitive than me and most of the listeners. But um, you're not like going out and trying to win a world marathon major. You know what I mean? Like the Boston Marathon. So like if that's what you want to do and that's what feels good to you, awesome. That's so great. Right. You know, and that's just, yeah, it definitely is unconventional and, um, you know, not, you know, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> racing as much as I do, but that's, you know, I still just run for me, you know, and, um, that's what makes me tick. And, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes I feel like my workouts are just as hard as the race itself, you know, so I'm just getting to a level where um, I'm running so many miles, my workouts are so hard, racing is almost an equal effort, you know, I don't take much of a taper. Um, I just don't need it, I think, at this point. Um, but yeah, like years ago, a race effort felt much harder. Um, but now I think I'm just so, doing so much, so many hard workouts and hard miles that um, that racing um, comes. I don't want to say easier because it really is just as hard. But um, when you do it over and over again, you just just get comfortable being uncomfortable. Well, yeah, and wasn't it, I think in Allie Kiefer's interview I had, uh, she said, like the Kenyans say, uh, train hard, race easy or something like that. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I think, yeah, I did hear something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, and talking to so many different runners on this show, I mean, I think uh, it was Kim Conley who was saying, we get in this trap sometime of comparing what our workouts do are compared to what other people are doing, how many miles we're peaking out at compared to other people. But she's, you know, what she said that really stuck with me, it was like, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And Mm -hmm. that's so true. Um, And clearly what you're doing is working because you ran PR after PR after PR in 2017. Right. Yeah. Um, It was interesting because, you know, I I coached myself um, from 2014 to 2016. And I had had my fair share of injury too, um, cause I just, uh, I wasn't really training smart and, um, you know, I kind of leveled out, I feel like in, in 2016 a little bit. And that's when I reached out to James at McCurdy trained at the beginning of 2017. And he was just what I needed because he was holding me accountable to doing workouts. I wouldn't have wanted to do myself, you know, or wouldn't have assigned myself, you know, and really just being consistent with hard training and that's just skyrocketed my fitness um just day in and day out um going through you know doing the grind and and then obviously I feel like racing helped me a ton because my you know your body only knows stress it doesn't know race or workout so if I could push myself harder in a race without killing myself and overdoing it 
that was a better stress than, you know, slogging through a workout that maybe I would give up in, you know, halfway through or not be able to run as hard because I wasn't in a race situation. So it, it just worked for me. Things clicked and I ran PR after PR in the spring and the same thing in the fall. And yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was quite the year for me for sure. So how did, what can you say to like, how you were getting injured before and why you weren't getting injured this year? Yeah. Um, I was really, I was much smarter about training, you know, even though James was pushing me, he was also helping hold me back. Um, you know, before I, you know, when I was getting injured, um, I would, I wouldn't take any breaks after races at all and just jump right into the hard training or really try to like bump my mileage up really fast. So, um, I ended up with a pelvic stress fracture um, in in uh, 2015, and then I got um, a metatarsal stress fracture in 2016. You know, and I had a couple Achilles injuries here and there. But what helped me was, um, you know, having somebody to 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 hold me back and say, no, that's not smart. You know, <laughs> even though I race so often, you know, he still was able to kind of rein me in a little bit um, on uh, how to train correctly. And I also switched my shoes. I had, I was wearing a heavier shoe and I switched to more of a lightweight shoe. And I think that helped my Achilles injuries um, a lot too. And, and just um, um, staying injury free in general. So so, yeah, I think it's just having somebody help me be consistent and, you know, smarten me up a little bit helped. Okay, so I looked at your progression, though, from 2014, 15, 16, 17, as far as how many miles you've been running. Yeah. And so I'm just thinking, so that's, I mean, you, so you ran over 3,700 miles last year. So that's like on average around 70 plus miles a week. So you're peaking out for your marathon probably around 100, right, or more? No. Well, actually, this fall, um, my highest mileage, I think, was uh, 89 or 90, and I averaged about 80, but that was the highest I've ever been, and it helped me immensely, Um, and I just really, you know, year after year, I kept telling myself, okay, I can only run 60 miles a week. That's all I have time for, and then the spring would roll around, and I'd be like, oh, I can run 70 miles a week, and then the fall would roll around. I'm like, okay, okay, maybe I can do 80, and so I just finally decided to, you know what, I'm not going to put any limits on what I can do anymore. And when I kind of freed myself about, you know, of that, I really started to progress and, and PR because I started to decide, you know, I'm going to do the work to get to the level I want to, I want to be at. And I'm not going to say, well, what can I do within, you know, 70 miles a week? You know, I, so I, I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do the work, you know, I'm going to run 80 miles a week and, um, see what happens. And, you know, I had the best fall I ever had. And then after that, this spring, I said, you know, I'm going to bump myself up to 90. I'm just going to make it work. And um, I just ran another PR um, at the Cowtown Half Marathon this past weekend and um, in the half. So um, congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. But, um, but yeah, it was when I freed myself of limitations and just decided, you know, I'm just going to do the work. You know, I can do it. The only reason I think we limit ourselves, Lindsay, is because it's hard. It's hard to think about doing any more than you already are, you know. But I think if you just really want it, um, you can make it happen. And, um, you know, you have to believe that you can you can do the training to reach a certain level in order to get there. So are you being super proactive with, like, 
post run recovery stuff? Like, what are you doing? Because I mean, I think my thought goes, okay, running that many miles is very time consuming. But um, on top of all your other things you have going on, I mean, I see my husband, my husband's running around the same that you run, like he runs on average between, yeah, like 75 to 85 miles a week, something like that right now while he's training for a marathon. And he is very diligent. I mean, he does not come back from a run without rolling out his legs on the foam roller, without doing all of his post run stretching. Um, he doesn't miss it ever. So, do you are you really good about that? And and how do you make sure you fit that in? Mm, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I come home. I hope I get a shower before I start working again, and that's how I roll. Um, sometimes that in the evening, like when the kids go to bed, I'll do like five minutes of foam rolling. We did sign up for a monthly massage that my husband and I trade off and argue about who gets. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, otherwise, you know, I, yeah, I just, I just choose not to. Um, well, and if I you're not getting don't. injured, not doing, I mean, if you ran a 242 and you're not getting injured, I mean, I really think some people it's just way more important than other people. Yeah, no, for sure. And you know what I find, um, too, is that once I've been at a certain mileage for a while, I have much less chance of injury than if I'm building up oh, to okay. that. And okay. that's why I've gotten so injured in the past is because I've constantly been trying to reach a new mileage peak and just haven't been careful enough getting there. But man, once I hit about, you know, four weeks at a certain mileage, knock on wood, I'm pretty golden. I feel like my body's adjusted. You know, it's used to the pounding now and it's, it gets in a rhythm, but building up to that is what is where the, um, is where the risk comes in. Okay. That makes sense. So I feel like you're also in this place in your life. So you guys are done having kids, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like in the past, so, okay, I started running marathons in 2008, but like it's been so broken up, you know, cause that's 10 years ago. But then in between there, I've had three kids, two surgeries, a couple injuries. So I feel like there's something to be said. And I always say this to my husband, um, about building season upon season upon season, yes. Which yeah. I, I have not been afforded the opportunity to do because I'll like run a marathon and then I'll have a baby and then, you know, and then I'll do it again. And, but you kind of like really started this streak and training after your baby. So do you think that there's something to be said for that? Oh gosh, you, yeah, um, consistent there's it's all about being consistent completely consistent and that's really where I owe all of my success to and you know people will say why don't you take you know more than a few weeks off after each season and I'm like because it sucks to be out of shape and then it takes me another two months to get back to where I was you know but if I only take a week off and then I start kind of where I left off and you know my um, potential to improve throughout the next season is just so much greater, and and that's where I think that um, I've really succeeded in that I just don't take a whole lot of time off after each season. I just continue to build on the fitness from the previous season and just just go after it. And that's why I've been so successful, like in 2017, because like you said, I've had finally two years of. Um, uninterrupted training, just, you know, building season upon season and mileage upon mileage. And um, when you just get on a roll, um, it's, it's really motivating for one thing. And um, you just, uh, you know, things just start happening. Well, so you talk a lot about 
not giving yourself limits, which I really like and admire. And I think that we can apply that to anything in our lives. Um, but what, what is, I mean, if you had to say, what's the ultimate goal? Like, you know, you ran that 242, you got the B standard. I know you want to get the A standard for the Olympic trials time. Um, but, but then what, you know? Well, you know what? It's so interesting because the ultimate goal was to break 130 in the half marathon. <laughs> and then it was, well, you know what? Maybe I can actually break three hours, you know? And then it was, well, what if I could run the trial standard? So the ultimate goal has just can always changed. You know, it's, it's funny how your mindset changes um, and uh, how your expectations change over the years based on where you're at, you know? Um, so at this point in time, I mean, everything has always just been icing on the cake. And I always say that, you know, even if I have a bad race or run, like, well, at least I got to run today, really, because I just love the sport. I love running. And I think that perspective has made me successful, too, because it, this has never been a source of stress for me. You know, if I have a bad race, I, I don't sweat it, you know, um, so so at this point, you know, everything I can say is icing on the cake. The I guess the ultimate goal was to qualify for the trials. And because I've done that, and, and then I won the MCM marathon, I thought, well, it doesn't get any better for me. <laughs> you know? But, you know, um, we all like to just see how far we can go and keep improving. And, you know, I, I think the A standard was an awesome goal for me to shoot for at this point. And then just, you know, see how well I can do at the trials. Um, but... But yeah, I mean, um, we'll just have to, we'll just have to see. Um, I would like to just continue to improve and see how far I can get. But, um, you know, my, my perspective has always been pretty down to earth. You know, I'm, you know, I, I feel like I've done more than I ever thought I could do already. And, um, you know, just seeing where I can go from here is, is icing on the cake. So, well, I think we can all take the advice to not let running if that's your hobby and something you claim to love uh, not let that be a stressor in your life yes and you know it's also a reason like I, I'm still on Strava um, and I post my races but I actually made my profile um, private and it's only because you know people might think you know, take that as oh well you don't want to see what you're, you know you don't want anyone to see what you're doing in your training but actually you know I felt like I had every I had these all, all of a sudden these outside expectations of mm. how I should be running based on my training or what kind of training I should be doing. And, you know, I don't need that. Like, that's not why I run, you know, truly, I just run because I love it. And I want to do what I'm going to do, you know, without having ex you know outside expectations on, on what people think I should be doing. And it's really helped me so much just to enjoy um, what I'm doing even more. Um, and so, so yeah, because it was becoming a source of stress in that way. And I had to stop and go, you know, this can't be stressful for me. This is, you know, I have plenty of stress already in my life. You know, this has to be fun. And, um, yeah, so it, sometimes it's, it's good to take a step back. Well, and I think, you know, you've talked about this on your Instagram page, how much more, uh, I don't know, You've talked about how parenting is, you can do a lot better at your parenting and things like that when you give yourself that time to go run and to go do yes. your thing or to go work and to do what you love. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. You know, um, I am just a, the best 
um, version of myself when I'm running. I'm a better mom. I'm a better wife. I'm a better employee um, because I'm happier, you know, and I think women get into, you know, it's hard for women to, to read, to give themselves permission to take an hour out of their day, you know, and, and do something for themselves. Um, you know, I think we're so used to thinking that women should be doing certain things in the home. It, it's hard hard to wrap our brains around how they're doing anything other than that. And I really saw that in the Marine Corps marathon win when it was like all over the news. And I had to be like, well, why is this? Cause for me, it's just been second nature for my husband and I to share in the parenting responsibilities. Um, but it, it just made me, it just made me realize that we have a long way to go um, in how men and women are perceived and in, and not, you know, putting them in certain gender roles. So, so it's hard for women. Like I said, it's hard for women to decide, Hey, I can do this for me. You know, like this is okay, you know, and it's going to make me a better wife and mother. If I, if I take this time now, you know, so, um, and I, that was something I even had to tell myself for a long time, you know, and be okay with, you know, Hey, would a man, you know, would my husband feel bad and guilty about going to the gym for an hour? No, okay, so I'm not gonna feel guilty about it, you know, because it, it, it can be tough. But um, yeah, it's for the greater good for everybody. Yeah, it is really hard. And, you know, when both parents are working full time, there's really just no reason that things shouldn't be 50 50. And oh, no reason at all. And, right. Exactly. You know, and I've been thinking about that a lot. You know, I, I'm so thankful my husband is like, um, we do a lot of 50, 50. I mean, it's not 50, 50 childcare only because, um, I'm home more, you know, like I have a babysitter twice a week for six hours. Like that's obviously I'm doing more with the kids because he's right. at work from like eight to six. But, um, outside of that, oh yeah. Like, you know, he cooks dinner six out of seven nights of the week, things like that. Um, but I was just, I was thinking about it on my run last night because I actually, when I went on my run, I was going to go by myself while he was like in the middle of the throes of bedtime. Um, and I ended up taking our middle son just because I was like, you know what, this will be easier for, easier for him to put the baby down if I just take yeah. Lewis and Lewis is just going to sit there and like look around and be quiet anyway. So it's fine. I'm running three miles easy. Um, but I was thinking about it on my run. I was like, I am just you know, even looking at my dad and my grandpa, I'm just so glad it's 2018. And like, I'm not expected to do everything as the woman, you know? And I think too, like, I remember initially, I was having to ask Brian to do a little bit more. And it's not that he was opposed to it. It's just that he didn't know, right? Because we're so ingrained with what women should be doing and men should be doing. And I even felt kind of guilty asking him but then I thought no 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 this is okay you know I work you work we're gonna split everything 50 50 you know but it's just one of those things where they almost like don't know you know but they're not opposed to helping or you know um, taking out the trash or doing whatever in the house but it's just they they don't know any better you know almost so yeah um I, I understand and I, I get you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, yeah, there are definitely times where I'm like, he just doesn't think about it. And I'm like, Hey, you know what? Will you clean that toilet? Because it looks really gross and I had nothing to do with it. And like, he just wouldn't think to clean the toilet. But if I ask him, exactly. he exactly. will, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. So, um, and you know, I, I know that there were dads in the 1950s and 80s and 70s or whatever that were stepping up and doing more 50-50. But generally speaking, um, 
just not it like it was now. It yeah, back then for sure. And we still are having. We still have a ways to go. I'm I'm learning. You know, but um, we're getting there. All right. Before I continue my conversation with Sarah, I want to thank one of our sponsors today, Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic makes drinking mushrooms delicious and easy to do with their wide variety of superfood beverages. They have a lot to choose from over on their website, foursigmatic.com slash another. And let me just tell you what we are loving over here in the Hein household. We use the superfood blends to put into our morning juice, loving that. And big fan of the Chaga Elixir, the Cordyceps Elixir, and recently we just started ordering this one. We've been drinking the Rishi Elixir at night before bedtime, which is a super calming blend that helps you relax and promotes better sleep. I know a lot of friends who have tried it out and are enjoying it as well. You guys can get 15% off your order when you check out foursigmatic.com slash another and use the code another. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash another, A-N-O-T-H-E-R, and use the code another to get 15% off your order. And thank you for supporting Four Sigmatic and any sponsor of this show because, guys, when you do that, you're directly supporting my work behind this podcast. So thank you very much. Okay, let's continue my conversation with Sarah Bishop. So um, what's next? What marathon are you running for? Because are you going to try to qualify for the A standard this year? Um, so that would be the ultimate goal in December. So I have until December. <laughs> so are you going to do CIM? I'm going to do CIM again. It's never done me wrong, Lindsay. I've ran it in 2014, 2015, 2017, and I've PR'd every time. Um, so I, lo- I love the course. I love the race. Um, weather is generally perfect. So yeah, I'm going back. Um, the A standard would be the goal there. So so this spring, I'm doing like three half marathons. I'm going to run... Um, Let's see. If, if the weather looks good at the Shamrock Half in a few weeks, I'm going to do that. It's in Virginia Beach, so it's relatively local. Yep. And, and that's actually the marathon that Brian is training for, and he's looking to go sub three. So okay. hopefully the wind it cooperates. We'll both be there. Um, and then I'm going to run a Cherry Blossom 10-mile great race here, obviously. Um, and then the... Uh, there's the National Women's Half Marathon here in D.C. It's the first year they're doing it. Uh, cool. That's going to be at the end of April. So plan to run that. I'll brew Broad Street 10-miler and then Brooklyn Half Marathon, and that'll cap off, like, the spring. And then I'll tell you, I'm really tempted to do the MCM-CIM double again in the fall. <laughs> I mean, it worked. So, like, why not? Why not? So I think I'm going to have to. Yeah. I mean – Hey, and since you won last year, do you get an entry this year? I do. I actually get an entry. So I'm like, yes, you know, why wouldn't I jump in there and try to try to run for the win again? (laughs) That's that's so fun. Well, um, I've actually ran the Shamrock Marathon and it was like my PR forever on that course. That's good to hear. Yes. And it was like the windiest grossest day ever and so like 
ever since then, you know, since then I had two babies and two Mm -hmm. surgeries and like all this stuff happened. And so ever since then, I'm like, Lindsay, if you held a freaking PR on that nasty day, I mean, I remember like feeling like the wind was going to blow me over. But I'm so worried about. But you know what? Like that, that race is always like kind of windy, but yeah. I mean, whatever, like you go run it and see what happens and yeah, maybe it won't exactly. be so bad. Always another one, right, right. I was going to ask you if your husband, uh, what if he was fast like you or like what his what his uh, training was like. Well, it's funny because he loves cycling. Like his first love is cycling. He's always been a cyclist. But after, you know, I've been doing this marathon thing, he was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to run a marathon. And so I, um... He ran the Marine Corps Marathon with the year I got fourth. So that was 2016. And he was trying to be Q. And he missed it, Lindsay, by two minutes. And it was a hot day. And it was humid. And I was so proud of him because he ran a great race. And he ended up running like 312. And he was supposed to run under 310, you know. But then he signed up for Ottawa that spring. Uh, so 2017, spring of 2017. Another hot day. He BQ'd. He ran 308. So we're like, oh, yes, you did it. You know, we're going to Boston. We're both going to run Boston 2018. But then he he didn't get in the race. He missed the race cutoff by like 30 seconds because oh. he had like three minutes and 30 seconds under the cutoff time, under the BQ time, and he missed it. So he is determined. He's finally kind of listening to me on how to train this <laughs> And he's ready to go sub three. So he's ready for like a 255 really um, on a good day at Shamrock. So I'd be excited for him to do that. But, um, but yeah, so he's a, he's a pretty good, he's a pretty good runner and he, uh, he's motivated, I think to, because of, (laughs) because of all my running. So, well, okay. So if you do the half, will you jump in and run some of the, some of his race with him to like kind of help him out at the end? Or will he, is that like a no, no in your marriage? Like we don't do that together. I never even thought about doing that, but I totally could just, you know, take the chip off and, and do that. I guess. Yeah. It's I, like I, a couple I miles to do that. Yeah. I didn't even think about that because, um, yeah, we've never been in that kind of situation before. We, we rarely race together. Actually this weekend we're doing this, um, 5k, uh, 10k double, um, St. Pat's day run, um, downtown. And so we are going to like race together and, you know, he is pretty fast. He's, um, the last time we did anything under a five mile race together, he beat me at the line by four seconds. Oh, right? that's so fun. There's nothing like seeing your wife right in front of you. Right? Uh-huh. Motivation. So I'm a little bit nervous about the 5k especially, <laughs> But, um, yeah, so we don't race together very often. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it'll be fun this weekend and yeah, I'll have to probably, I probably will try to do that if I can find him during the marathon after I'm finished. So he, so he can close in on you better on like the shorter distances. Yes. He, you know, men are fast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that there is nothing like, you know, his determination to see, you know, seeing me to like really try to kick it in there in the end. (laughs) We'll see. So how many miles is he running to run that sub three? Like as far as like peaking out and stuff. He's run his most mileage ever this spring. Uh, he topped out at like 66 last week. And then I think he, or two weeks ago, and then had like a 63 mile week, which is really good for him. And, and it was, uh, been in the solid fifties for a long time. So, um, the added mileage has really helped him. Like, I think, you know, he's ready for like a 
12, 13 minute PR. Um, Cause before he was running maybe 35, 40 miles a week, really nothing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, he has a lot of potential if he trained consistently. And um, so I'm excited to see what, what he can do. I would, I would love to see him go under sub three so that we could say that we both run under sub three. <laughs> you know, how cool would that be? But um, yeah, I'm excited for him. So, do, do you think he'll get a bug though and be like, "Well, now I want to beat her 242"? Um, I don't. I don't know. He he'll probably take a break. He'll probably take a break. You know, after he qualify, if he qualifies for Boston, go sub three and um, cycle for a bit because it's gonna the weather's getting warm. Um, but I bet he'll, he'll get the bug again, probably in the fall and he'll, he might want to run CIM with me. So, um, what's oh, be surprised? We'll see. So if you guys go run CIM, do you have like a grandparent or someone who stays home and watches the kids or do you take them? Yeah. So my, uh, my parents live in Kentucky and his parents live in Michigan and his mom works from home. My mom is retired. She doesn't work anymore. So they are more than happy, um, for us to fly them in to watch the kids for the weekend while we go, um, do different races, um, or go on vacation, you know, a few times a year. So that's been really helpful and really nice because we don't have family in the area being a military family and all. So, um, but it's super nice to have um, them want to, to help us in, in that regard. Okay, so yeah, I would be remiss to not mention that you did serve in the Air Force for three years? Yes, yes. Okay, so tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, my dad was um, F-15 pilot in the uh, Air Force when I was growing up. And um, I think it was just always kind of thought that my sister and I would do ROTC and go into the Air Force. Like, I just didn't know that there would be another option. (laughs) But it was a lifestyle I really liked moving around, and it was something I I wanted to do for sure. And so Caitlin and I both did ROTC in college while we ran, and then I commissioned into the Air Force right after um, college. And my first duty station was um, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and that's where I met um, Brian, who's also a second lieutenant stationed at a in a at Kirtland Air Force Base. So I have a friend that's in the Air Force Reserves, and I met her through running. I actually met her at the end of the race, end of a race when she beat me. And um, I just remember thinking, "Oh my gosh! Like you fly airplanes in the military. Like that is so badass." So, like you're, I mean, so you're a pilot. No, so um. It is a it is kind of a misconception that everybody in the Air Force flies, but only a st- small segment of, of folks in the Air Force are actually pilots. So okay. I was I was an engineer in the Air Force, uh, stationed at the research lab, and Brian was also an engineer. Um, and um, and yeah, so Brian's still in, still active duty, and I follow him around. And since then, I um, have been in the construction industry. I uh, was a field engineer, um, for a long time. Um, well, I started with a renewable energy company building wind farms and solar farms, then moved into heavy civil construction. Um, and I was a field engineer and, and then I was a design manager and now I'm, I'm in business development for a site contractor. Okay. So this isn't just me. Like a lot of people think that I'm not an idiot for thinking that. No, 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 no. I mean, lots of people think that. I mean, (laughs) it's natural, right? You're in the air force, you know, air force. Yeah. 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 Um, I will say I like I've always kind of had like a little bit of a fear of flying. But ever since I became friends with her and she kind of like talked some sense into me every time I'm on a plane now when I get like nervous energy, I'm like, just think about Ashley. Just think about Ashley. <laughs> Even I get nervous flying sometimes still. So <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's just a control thing, really. 
for sure. Uh, right. So, okay, well, we all have to say thank you for your service. And your husband, he's still active. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. But you're both engineers. Like, you went to school for engineering? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. So you're really smart. Uh, no. Well, <laughs> Brian will tell you that he's a rocket scientist because, <laughs> because he has a degree in space systems engineering. That um, sounds really a, smart. Uh, yeah, he thinks so. But don't let him don't, – I don't let him I – don't, I don't let his ego get too big. <laughs> Keep him in check. <laughs> what, was your, what was your specific degree in? Um, I was a systems engineer. Um, okay. industrial and systems engineer. And, but now I work more, my work, um, was more in civil engineering, um, when I joined the construction industry. Um, and, but now I'm, I do more business management. So do you do sales then? It's kind of like that. Yeah. I'm in charge of, um, finding uh, prospective jobs for us to bid on and meeting with clients to basically sell ourselves to them. You know, this is the kind of projects we've done in the past and, and this is our expertise and this is um, where our strengths lie. And so in a way, yes. Okay. So in your email to me, you kind of mentioned that you have a little bit of a minimalist mentality. Can you tell me about that? Because um, I like to think I have that mentality and I try really hard. Um, it's tough with kids because things pile up, you know? Yeah. Um, so how do you do that? How do you kind of, uh, pursue that lifestyle? Well, I guess, I guess, um, I'm a very simple person. Like for example, Brian and I like to backpack, um, once a year abroad. I mean, we've backpack in the Austrian Alps. We've backpacked in New Zealand. Um, we've done the uh, hike, the, the W circuit in Patagonia. Um, we're going to Peru in, um, in uh, May. And so, yeah, I just like the feeling of kind of just having everything I need on my back and uh, just living very simply. So um, that said, I'm a pack rat. I never throw anything away, but probably because I never buy anything. <laughs> No, I just I'm I'm very much kind of the mindset that um, experiences are, are what make me happy, right? And and not things. So um, I don't know what else to say about that. Like I, I just I don't close shop. Um, I rarely the only thing I buy are running shoes, and I can't remember the last time I actually bought like running clothes for me. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, but yeah, I just I think just a simple you know living simply is is the is somewhat the key to the key to happiness kind of in my opinion. Yeah. So I, I say this to my kids all the time and I actually, we actually like banned going to target because it was turning into this thing where they were, especially the oldest was like, can I have fruit snacks? Can I have this? Can I have that? And I was like, you know what? Of course we can like buy fruit snacks for a dollar every time we go to target. That's not a huge deal, but it's like, I just, I didn't like what it was doing to our brains. And I mean, to their brains, because it, it does yeah. it to our brains too. We walk into right. Target and we buy crap we don't need. Right. Um, so like, it's been like eight weeks, I think, since I've taken them to Target. And I just make sure, like, I've just been buying more like toothpaste and stuff. I'll get it on Amazon or I'll try to sneak out by myself. Um, but I say that to my son all the time. I say like, People and experiences are what make us happy, not things. But it's really hard because as humans, we're just kind of like, uh, 
we're kind of like our minds are kind of made that way. And you see in the, in living in America, you just see the world of like consumption, you know? So like yeah. what, what kinds of things do you say to your kids to kind of promote that mentality? Um, well, they just know that they're not going to get anything. When it comes to <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what? We, we try to take them to a lot of places and we really encourage them to play, um, outside with their friends and their toys and such. Um, and yeah, we just really don't, um, give them anything, <laughs> you know, I'm like for their birthdays. Um, I always say, you know, no gifts, please. Of course people bring gifts, but like, I, I just try to kind of show them that, you know, life is so much easier and simpler. And, and, you know, it's, it's the people around you that make you happy and the things that you do, not the things that you have. Um, but I think as humans, like you said, we're really bad at figuring out what makes us happy. And so we just want to keep buying different things to try to figure, you know, figure that out. But as runners, I think we're pretty good. And, you know, we, we kind of understand that like, you know, running is what makes me happy. So maybe if I do other things, you know, instead of, you know, maybe it's things that I do that make me happy and not things that I have. Um, and I think when you start adopting that mindset, it's a lot easier to not want to impulse buy at the store. Cause I start, you know, I realize like none of this, none of this makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's gets to be tricky sometimes too. Like if we're at, for instance, my sister-in-law's house, like they just, um, their kids have a lot of stuff and that's just, that's how they do life and that's okay. But like every time we come home, I have to kind of like say like, well, we don't really need to have all that stuff. Like it's nice to have your bikes and it's nice to have that. But like, just because we can buy something doesn't mean that we're going to, and doesn't mean that it's going to make you happy. Right. Um, it's, it's definitely a hard thing to, to teach kids. I mean, they don't, yeah. I mean, my kids are the same way, you know, they still want toys and stuff, but, and it's a hard thing to, for them to understand, you know, but you know, um, yeah, it, it's tough. I know what you mean. Yeah. And I'm just like, I feel like we're just at, I'm just at that point where like, okay, my oldest is five. Like we really have to make sure that this is something that's like a priority in our family. Sure. Um, okay. So Sarah, what's one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Well, actually I just joined the McCurdy trained coaching staff. Um, so I'm super excited to coach athletes and, um, help them reach their goals. Like McCurdy trained has helped me. And, um, actually it was really rewarding because I've been coaching this one woman, um, who's six months post postpartum. She has two kids, 19 months apart. And I've been working with her for about six weeks. And I got to meet her actually this weekend when we both ran the Cowtown half marathon is she PR'd by six minutes and a half, um, you know, from a, a PR that was like four years old. Like I said, only six months postpartum. And I was just so thrilled and happy because I remember feeling that, you know, when, when I was PRing, um, you know, post kids thinking, you know, how rewarding that was. So I'm kind of just super excited to just pass the buck and, um, you know, help other women, you know, achieve things that maybe they didn't even think they could um, with a little bit more guidance. So that's, that, that's what's kind of next on my plate. And, um, I'm just really excited. That's so fun. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I mean, you've, you have so much experience and teaching yourself too, and what you've learned through your training this last year. So you'll do great. Um, and you're probably kind of coaching your husband already, right? 
I am. Yeah. I, I mean, I like to think that I coached him to a BQ and now sub three and yeah, but before it was funny because he'd only kind of do, you know, half of what I would say. And, and that's fine. You know, he just want, you know, I'm like, you just want to do what you want to do. But the other day, Lindsay, like three, I want to say like four weeks ago, he came home and was like, Oh my gosh. So I'm going to run my run today in zone two. So I can <laughs> run really hard on my long run this weekend. And my jaw just like dropped. Like, are you kidding me? Like, have you not listened to anything I've said over the past few years? So it was like this revelation. I'm like, okay, please mansplain to me more. What you do? <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. I'm trying to say that you were right, you know? So, um, yeah, but he, um, he's doing really well. And yeah, I've been coaching him the past, uh, six weeks. Um, and I think he's really gonna, he's ready for a big PR. So that's fun too. Okay. So I have to ask, do you use heart rate training? You know what? I um, definitely pay attention to it. And I, you know, he probably looks at it a little bit more than I do. I have the wrist heart rate though on my Garmin, which um, is not all that accurate, but it's definitely something I use as a guide and a tool. And I think that that has helped me to slow down my easy runs, right? And, um, and be able to run faster on my, on my hard days. Cause that was something that even for me was, um, really hard along, you know, to, to realize, cause years ago when I was training my own, like if I wasn't running a seven fifteen or seven thirty easy run, like ugh, I was not succeeding, <laughs> you know? Um, but I realized that, you know, it, it's taken a long time for me to realize like, no, 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 it's okay to run eight minute pace. And actually I probably should be running eight minute pace so yeah. I can run on my hard days, but it is a hard concept to, to get over. Okay. You hear that people? She's racing at like a six 11 pace in a marathon and she's running eight minutes for her easy runs. Take yeah. notes, people. Yeah. That's like my biggest, like, that's like what I preach more than anything is that oh, like people need to slow their easy runs down. There's, you're not, you're not gaining anything by running your easy run 30 seconds per mile faster. Yeah, you're not. And I did, there is one caveat to that though. At one point I slowed my easy runs down way down and I wasn't, but I wasn't able to run my hard runs any faster. So I wasn't mm. doing myself any favors. But what helped was as I bumped my mileage up, you, then you can slow your easy runs down um, and run your hard runs faster. Because you have to be able to run your hard runs faster to get, yeah. you know, to slow your easy runs down. It's like that polarized training, right? But I never did more mileage because I was too tired, you know? Yeah. But if you slow down, run a little bit more, but slower, then you can run your harder runs faster. So. Yeah. And I mean, some days your easy run might feel easy at 830 and some days it might feel easy at eight minutes and that's okay. Oh, you just like listen to your body. Absolutely. That happens to me all the time. I mean, there's some days that, yeah, I mean, I run anywhere from like 735, which is a fast day. You really yeah. should run that fast to um, 830. Like, I mean, especially the three days before a race and I race a lot. I'm running 830 to 840 pace. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Really, really and slow. then when you race, your body's like, all right, I feel fresh. Yeah. And my body feels awesome. But it's, it's, you're right. It's hard to hold yourself back in those few days, you know, leading up to a race or a workout, but uh, it works. It works. So what's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, you know, I have to think, um, you know, you know, I really, uh, you know, I'm proud of the MCM win and, and the OTQ for sure. And I, I feel like I was um, anticipating that and they were a long time coming. But I have to say, like back in 2014, when I was first back, getting back into it, I remember that first race that I really popped one. Um, so my first half back, my goal was to break 
an hour 30 and I didn't do it. I ran exactly an hour 30, but I was, I didn't know how to race a half marathon. It was hot. I started out way too fast. I was like walking at the aid stations and I said, you know what? I was like, I can do this. I know I'm fit. I think I can run a 125, you know? And so four weeks later, I signed up for another race, the giant half marathon. And I remember this race so vividly because I felt amazing warming up. The weather was perfect. I dialed in my nutrition. I had done everything right. And I thought I'm ready for like a five minute PR. Actually, I thought I, I was in shape to run 126. So that would have been like a four-minute PR, even from in my 20s. And I popped a 125, and I ran exactly even, and I vomited at the finish line. And I was <laughs> like, I could not have been more proud of myself. And, you know, even though that, you know, that I, you know, I've run, you know, 118, you know, since then, it was just that moment that I thought, you know what, I, I know I can do this. I know I can do this if I just you know, train and believe myself and, and think that I can do it, you know? So that was pretty special. <laughs> well, and I am known for like vomiting or almost vomiting at the end of like a really hard effort. There's just something your body's like, Oh, oh we're done. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, if you could have coffee or cocktail with someone fun, who would it be? Oh, man, there's so many. I love, um, in the non-running world, Ellen DeGeneres. She just cracks me up. Mm. She's just a good person. Um, so she would be top of my list, maybe. And then maybe in the running world, um, Allie Kiefer. Uh, you know, obviously, she just busted on the scene um, for a second time, you know, um, in her comeback. And I think she has a really good head on her shoulders and has a really positive message for women out there. Um so, yeah, I think she would be my my choice. She's so fun. I'm so thankful that I've had the opportunity to talk to her a couple of times. And yeah. I just I feel like she's very relatable. Mm-hmm. And but also like trying to run a 225 marathon, you know, I know exactly. Yeah, she is completely inspiring to me. If you had one message to send to the world, what would it be? I think it would be, you know, don't sell yourself short on, on what you can do. If you, when you start, uh, when you stop putting limitations on yourself, um, really the possibilities, and it sounds so corny, are, are endless, but I really found that, um, there's so much mental about long distance running and had I, you know, people ask me, well, do you wish you had started, you know, training like this in your twenties? And I say, no, cause I, I probably would have failed. I, the workouts would have been too hard. I wouldn't have been willing to do the work to get to the level I'm at today. But after having kids and working full time, I realized, you know, my perspective on running changed and the workouts just, you know, seemed easy, you know, it, easier than, you know, raising kids, or at least they're just, it's just different. Um, my mentality, you know, was that running was more of a challenge that I was up for rather than a slog through these hard workouts. So, you know, just don't sell yourself short. And if you really want to, you know, if you, if you really want to go for a goal, you know, just put in the work to do it and, and you never really know what can happen. Yeah, I think it's interesting how our perspective does change. And that might not be just for having kids. I mean, for me and for people that have had kids, like that's a huge game changer and, and your perspective changes. And that could be something else. That could be like a different job that you take or you move to a new city or whatever. Yes. But yes. I, I do very much remember pre-kids um, in my experience, like dreading a 20 mile run. Uh-huh. And now it's like, oh, yes, I get to go run 20 miles and there's freedom in that. And though I get a little bit like, 
oh man, these marathon pace miles are going to really hurt. Um, there's just like so much freedom and I'm choosing to do it, you know? And I would also say, you know, running has given me a lot of confidence that I never really had before. And I think women are really good about downplaying their abilities or not going after that job promotion because they don't think they're qualified or, you know, uh, there's no way I could ever run a sub three marathon. So I'm not even going to try, you know, but, um, but if you, but I think we have to change our mindset a little bit, you know, um, and just, you know, running's really given me confidence in a lot of, a lot of different areas. I mean, I just had a friend actually, just yesterday she wanted to sign up for shamrock and she's run a really fast half and she's like well i don't know if i should ask for a comp entry because you know i'm not i'm not sure i'm in that fitness and it's like don't sell yourself short you know yeah like, you run this half you know like you're you know you're still you, you know your times would still place you in the top 10 like there's no harm in asking you know don't um you know i think women just have this um fear that they're not good enough. And, um, you know, we need to change that mindset, you know? Yeah. And I think that's something that certainly has developed more in my thirties, but I mean, even in my late twenties, I mean, it's like, you think back to like your first job out of college and I think back to those emails where you'd start the email saying like, I know you're really busy, but, and it's like, no, uh, uh, no, no, no. I will never say that to anybody. And like, for instance, like right now I'm really trying to get Amy Craig on the show off her Tokyo PR. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, I, I do not care. I will email you 10 times. I will reach out to whoever I need to reach out to. I have no shame because yeah. Cause I'm like, I, I'm not embarrassed. Like no. I'm, I'm not, tur- I'm, I don't care if you turn me away, you turn me away. But like, right. this is what I want to do to make something successful. And so, uh, I'm proud of my work and I'm just going to keep asking, you know, that's exactly what I told my friend yesterday. I said, you need to have no shame like me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's true. Like where women are bad about that. Cause I, I do, I go back and think about what my husband do in this situation. You yeah. know, like, so, um, yeah, yeah. And honestly, like, this is a really bad way to put it, but, um, because we're talking about gender here, but I think in those kind of circumstances, I think I actually have more balls than my husband. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, I yes, think that I, I would just put myself out there and ask for things more than he would. And part of that is just that the career that I've chosen to like, kind of do, do these things on my own. is just like, well, the only way you're going to get anywhere is if you just ask for it. And that can be for anybody, you know? to take some risks to get where you are now you know just like I've had to take risks in my training you know and and you're right like to get anywhere it, it does involve some confidence and risk taking and a certain a certain drive and personality and desire and belief that you know what I can do this you know like I deserve this or you know um it, it it's not gonna hurt to try so yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it so um, we talked about how you're kind of have this minimalist mentality. So the question, what are you loving right now of things probably isn't the best, but what are you, I mean, I know you had some like shows on Netflix or um, what are some things that just kind of light your fire right now? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV because the kids, you know, dominate the TV in the evening <laughs> sometimes. And, and I just go to bed when the kids do, but I have been watching some, um, documentaries, um, inspiring documentaries like gun runners, um, and desert runners. And like, there was this one, um, Unbreak Roll, the Western States 100. It's just so fun for me to see, you know, other people 
you know, getting outside their comfort zone and achieving these amazing feats, you know, because it, it gets it obviously makes me motivated in my life and my goals to to do the same. But you know what? The other thing is, I did order the book Endurance, um, and I started reading it, Lindsay, and it's so interesting because um, you know it, it, they talk about the connection between the mind and body, and um, you know what are our limits and are our limits you know, limited by our physical ability or, or our mental capacity and, you know, what's the relationship there. And it's interesting to me because that's something that I've definitely um, believe in, you know, more so now than I ever did in my twenties, how mental um, running is and, you know, have that the, the mind will give up before the body ever does. And there's a lot to be said about like just getting comfortable being uncomfortable and positive self-talk through a race or workout and not letting your mind get flustered um, and, and coaxing your body to just keep going. So, so to me, that's super, super interesting because it's something that I've definitely learned through the, the, the process of training for marathon and, and getting better. Who's the author of that book? Oh gosh, what's his name? I don't know offhand. Um, well, we can link it in the show notes. That sounds really good though, because when we're physically trained up and we are ready to do it, I mean, it's mental. I mean, the it's game mental. is mental. Yes. It's yeah, mental. it is. The it work is. is done. Like your body is here. Like you have to mentally figure this out, especially in the marathon. You know, I mean, yeah. that's, you know, it's amazing. I remember my very first marathon. I had only done like one 16 miler and one 20 miler, but I'd done 16 at marathon pace. So I'd read that if I could do 16 at marathon pace, I could probably do it in a marathon, which was amazing for me to think about. But I got to mile 16, 17, and I couldn't believe I had like nine more miles to go, but I did it, you know, and, and it was, it's just a will of the mind, you know, just keep going, just keep going, take it one mile at a time. And, um, yeah, pretty, pretty interesting, pretty interesting stuff. Well, and the more higher mileage that you run, I mean, this last cycle, I only peaked out around, I peaked out. I think I ran my highest mileage was 54 miles a night, but I averaged like 45 maybe. And um, that's because I was, you know, coming on that build. And you, like you were saying, you're more likely to get injured on those builds rather than once you get to that time. So I thought, I just need to get to this marathon healthy. Um, But when you do run the higher higher mileage, when you get to that point where you have nine miles to go, though it is a lot, nine miles seems a lot shorter when you're running 70 miles a week, you know, because... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's true. So there's something to be said for that, for that high mileage, uh, if your body can handle it, for sure. Yep, for sure. All right, Sarah. Well, this has been so fun talking to you. I knew this was going to be one of those interviews that would fly by and just be like for lack of a better term, like so easy to orchestrate and do because I I could just tell by your personality. Um, Well, thanks for having me. It was super exciting to talk to you. I'm glad we connected over email. So yeah. And you know, I love that you're having another, you know, fourth baby. And it's, you know, when I was pregnant with my twins, I mean, there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to have two more girls. I mean, I just couldn't wrap my head around (laughs) anything else. Um, But whatever you have, boy or girl, it's going to be awesome. And I'm excited to, I'm excited to follow you and and see how that plays out. So (laughs) I know. Well, we're finding out in three weeks and I'm like, I'm feel 90% sure that it is a boy. Um, 
<laughs> Which makes me think, okay, maybe you're just going to be like totally blown. Your mind's going to be blown and it is going to be a girl. But, yeah. you know, it's like when you have all of the same gender, people like to say, are you hoping for a girl? And it's oh, like, well, obviously that would be really in a really exciting thing. But like also another boy would be an exciting thing. And what we all want is a healthy baby, right? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's been all these like uh, pictures on social media lately of like daddy daughter dances and stuff like that. Oh, I know. And I'm like, oh, man, that's like, you know, that's one of those things that you're like, we won't get to experience that. But I mean whatever man I think I'm like kind of more uh me in general I'm just kind of like wired to be a boy mom at this point because that's what I know so we'll see right. we'll see three awesome boys you know so you know you would love another one you know just the same of course right and that was yeah. with my girls like I love my girls like yeah I'll, I'll take two more you know and yeah says, oh your poor husband but Brian loves it oh you know? sure he'll and he'll have of, he'll take them all to the store and he gets so much attention you know oh, oh I bet and then I take them all to the store and I get these looks <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, the dad with his four daughters. Yeah, yeah right. Oh, man. But um, it'll be good either way. For sure. All right, Sarah. Well, we'll talk soon and have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Lindsay. Have a good one. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening today. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on the show. You guys can follow Sarah on Instagram and Twitter at Sarah Bishop Runs. Thanks for listening. I'll have a night Hey, you guys can also follow me on Instagram. It's lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well. I want to thank Kind Snacks for supporting this episode. You guys go to kindsnacks.com slash lindsay to get yourself a free sample box. All you have to do is pay shipping. And also check out those superfood blends over at Four Sigmatic foursigmatic.com slash another. Use the code another for 15% off your order. Oh, and guys, I also want to let you know that Strava is coming on as a sponsor in a few weeks, and they're giving away an entry to the New York City Marathon plus a $500 stipend, which is sort of a big deal, right? You guys can go enter to win that. Um, I'm going to put the link to that in my show notes, lindsayhine.com. But actually, if you just uh, Google Strava, win a trip to the New York City Marathon, you'll find the exact link to that because the URL is kind of long. Um, But go ahead and go over there and sign up to enter to win a trip to New York City for the marathon. Make sure you let them know that I sent you over here from I'll Have Another Podcast. Somebody's got to win. Maybe it'll be you. Thank you, everybody, for supporting the show, for listening to the show, and being a part of this community. I'm having a lot of fun with you guys and looking forward to lots of fun episodes and events going on in 2018. So thanks for hanging with me. Have a great Friday. Have a wonderful weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.